this morning. We have been going for the past couple of weeks through a series on the book of Proverbs, where we've been holding up the wisdom of the world to the wisdom of God and seeing how they line up. Um, we've been talking about different things. We've sort of been flipping some things on its head to realize that the kingdom of heaven doesn't exactly function like the kingdom of the world. Um, so with all of this in mind, let's read Proverbs chapter 19, verse 1. I'm reading this morning from the English Standard Version. It's also going to be on the screen over here. Better is a poor person who walks in his integrity than one who is crooked in speech and is a fool. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Just recently, I have taken back up going to the gym. And like some things I do in my life, this happened with very little forethought. I was laying in bed one night, uh, hopped on my phone onto the Planet Fitness website, got a gym membership from the comfort of my home, set my alarm for the next morning. I got ready for bed. I looked over at Sarah. I said, hey, I'm going in the gym, to the gym in the morning. She sort of laughed like, yeah, sure you are. Um, but I did. I really did. I, I've been going for the last three weeks, and by some miracle, uh, the strength of God within me, I'll continue to follow through with this uh, healthy lifestyle. Um, but since I've been going, I've been doing a lot of running. And running is not something um, that I've done a lot of, and so I've learned a little bit about running. And the most important thing I've learned about running is that running, my friends, is not fun. Um, <laughs> it's really not my favorite thing. If it's your favorite thing, more power to you. Maybe the rest of us can start a support group, and we'll, we'll keep running, and that'll be great. Um, but it's not. I, I, I digress, though. Uh, there's this guy named John Mark Comer. Okay, John Mark Comer is a pastor and he's an author. He lives in Portland, Oregon. Um, and he talks about wanting to become a runner. And he says every morning he'll get up um, and he'll make his cup of coffee. He'll grab his Bible. He'll go sit out on his front porch. And across the street from him, there is a group of runners filing out of his neighbor's house. And these people are legit runners. They've got the gear, the newest Apple Watch, I'm sure. They've got the bodies. They have the drive to get up every morning and go running. Um, and John Mark Homer kind of laments a little bit. He, he wants to be able to run a six-minute mile without breaking a sweat. He wants the energy and vitality and health that comes along with that kind of lifestyle. And yet, every day, he wakes up, he sits on his porch, and he watches as these runners go out for their run. This morning I want to talk about how we as believers can go from sitting on our proverbial porches to walking in our faith. How we can take the things that we believe and transfer them into real world action. And we're going to look at this idea through the lens of one particular word from our proverb this morning. And that is the word integrity. Integrity. Better is a poor person who walks in his integrity than one who is crooked in speech and is a fool. Integrity is living your life in such a way that your beliefs and your actions line up. Where what we hold so deeply to be true 
comes out in the way that we live our life. To simplify it a little bit, it's making our outside match our inside, right? It's maintaining the course even when we don't have anything to gain from it. But how do we live a life of integrity, though? I think this proverb can help us think through this a little bit, right? Uh, It gives us a comparison between two different people. The person who walks in integrity and the person who uses crooked speech and is a fool. And I think we can use this proverb to look at the actions that brought these two people to where they are. I should point out that living the life of integrity begins by leaning on the power of the Holy Spirit and obeying our Lord. Only then, when we lean on the power of the Holy Spirit, can we recognize when we are falling into the trap of becoming the fool. Only then can we take action and check our desires and take responsibility for what we have done. Only when we lean on the power of the Holy Spirit. This morning we're going to take a deeper look at these two people. The person with integrity and the person who walks without integrity. Examples abound of what walking without integrity looks like. Sometimes they're subtle, like telling a little white lie or exaggerating a story to make yourself look better. And sometimes they're not so subtle, um, such as directly breaking the law or engaging in unethical behavior. Common everyday examples of this might look like cheating on a test, uh, being unfaithful to a spouse, saying one thing, doing another, breaking a promise, uh, unethical business practices. The list sort of goes on and on of what it looks like to walk without integrity. Our passage in Proverbs today, though, uses the example of someone who uses crooked speech um, and I, I was trying to think, you know, I, I feel like we in the South sort of fall into this one a lot of times. I know I do. And when I was trying to think of how to sort of illustrate this idea of using crooked speech, I was reminded of an anecdotal story about the difference between people from the North and people from the South. People from the North, you know where you stand with them. If they don't like you, they ain't going to talk to you, right? If any of you have ever been to New York, they'll walk right by you, not even as much as a hello, Right? Um, you know where you stand with them. Whereas people from the South, um, someone from the South could hate your guts and they will still serve you a slice of pie with a smile, right? And this is a silly story, but it's, it's, it's an example of how easy it is to be crooked in our speech, to say one thing and think another, to let someone believe that you like them to their face and actually you have other opinions behind closed doors. I know that this is a trap that I myself fall into and have to be guarded against. Now, it's also easy to be crooked in other areas of our life. Um, Maybe you find yourself in some hard times and, and you're having to scrape together all of your resources just to make ends meet. It's in those times that it's really easy to fudge the numbers a little bit. The financial stress, the temptation is enormous to toss out our integrity and to cheat in order to make those ends meet. Hard times may may mean that we exaggerate the truth a little bit. Maybe it means that we inflate or deflate the value of something. Maybe it means that once tax season rolls around, we put that deduction on there that we actually know is not a true statement. There are going to be times, though, in all of our lives when we stand nothing to gain 
by having integrity. The question, though, is do we recognize when we get to those points? Do we recognize it? Because if we find ourselves in those moments, it's helpful for us to realize and to ask ourselves the question, how did I end up here? I was doing so well. I was going to the gym every day, and now I'm sitting at home eating pizza, watching Sports Center. right? Like, it's, we got to ask those questions about ourselves. How do we end up here? What is the thing that's driving us to live in this way? What does the fool desire? I think desire has a lot to do with it. I think desire is the thing that drives most of our decisions in life. I think most of us would probably agree that the fool has selfish desires. They are motivated by immediate gratification. They want their reward right now. I actually got the chance to preach on this last time I was up here in the pulpit in March um, uh, from a passage in Matthew when Jesus is doing his Sermon on the Mount. And Jesus says there are going to be people who get out into the public square and they make a big scene about their giving. They're going to blow the trumpets, right? Because they want their reward right now. And Jesus says, if that's the reward that you're looking for, then you've already received it. Unfortunately, for people who have selfish desires, when they use crooked words to meet those crooked ends, they become a fool. In Proverbs, the fool is often portrayed in contrast with the person who is wise. According to the Bible, the fool hates knowledge. They do not delight in understanding and is, it is their sport to be, to do mischief. The term fool used in scripture with respect to moral and spiritual deficiencies. The fool is not one who does not think or reason. But rather the fool is one who thinks and reasons wrongly. It's easy to see that we do not want to become the fool. The fool follows the ways of the world. So what does the life of integrity look like, right? We've got these two people that we're comparing and contrasting. What does it look like to walk in integrity? Integrity is not just a character trait to be developed. Integrity is the result of a heart that truly wants to obey the Lord. If we want to live a life of integrity, we must become obedient to God and his word. And obedience requires action. The rubber is going to meet the road eventually. And all of us are going to have to show that we have integrity. The thing about integrity, though, is that it's not just a a tool that we pull out, right? It's not something we use to prove that we are righteous. Integrity is not. Integrity is a way of life. In the Old Testament, whenever you see the word integrity, or not all the time, but for the most part, you will find it paired with this word, walk. Proverbs 20, verse 7 says, The righteous who walks in his integrity, blessed are his children after him. Psalm 26, 11 says, But as for me, I shall walk in my integrity. Redeem me and be gracious to me. Psalm 26, 1, Vindicate me, O Lord, for I have walked in my integrity. This is a common expression. And it expresses a habitual manner of life. It's not just something we dabble in. Walking in integrity is not just something we dabble in. It's not just a practice. It's a way of life. Walking takes effort. It takes us putting our faith into action. 
And I'm going to say something that might sound a little controversial, but we as Protestants, I think in our effort to reform a works-based gospel, so, right, the Protestant Reformation was when this group of people got together and said, uh, we don't think that you can earn your way to heaven. So they reformed uh, the gospel to be one of faith alone, right? I think in our Protestant efforts to reform that works-based gospel, maybe we sometimes have the tendency to throw the baby out with the bathwater and do nothing instead. Walking in integrity, though, uh, and obedience necessarily indicates some kind of effort. Effort of all kinds is a biblical response to what God has done for us. In the book of James, he says to resist the devil. Resistance takes effort. Paul, in another place in the Bible, says that we should flee from immorality. When I say flee, do you get the mental image of someone with their hands in their pockets sitting on their porch? No, it's a full embodied thing, right? You are running with all of your might away from immorality. When I say flee, it does not invoke in us passive thoughts. The truth is that the Bible is full of language that implies some sort of action, some sort of response from all of us. Now this action is of course fueled and strengthened by the Holy Spirit, but more on that in just a moment. Integrity, though, is actually a part of a bigger response from us as believers. It's part of this response of obedience. Whereas the fool despises correction and ultimately obedience, we as believers know that we are subject to the king of kings. I have a friend who likes to say that we as believers need to believe to the point of obedience. We need to believe to the point of obedience. And he says this because he knows that it's easy to agree with something in your head. It's easy to have the right thoughts. This is sometimes referred to as mental assent. I agree with these thoughts. He also knows that it's easy for us to say what we believe, right? It's easy to tell somebody what I believe. We, we do this in the traditional service every week and sometimes here in contemporary. Do the affirmation of faith. It's easy to say what we believe. It's much harder to let those beliefs take root in your life and live them out. Believe to the point of obedience. When we do that, when we embody those faith statements in the real world, when we begin to walk in integrity, when we believe in such a way that it affects the way that we live. That is when we are truly obeying the Lord. The New Testament has something to say about walking in integrity, but instead of using the word integrity, usually when you find the word walk, it's talking about walking in the Spirit. Walking in the Spirit. And this indicates living a life in which we are dependent on the Holy Spirit to live out our faith. In Galatians chapter 5, Michael's going to put this on the screen for me. It says this, But I say, walk in the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. 
For these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things that you want to do. So once again, the Bible is offering us some kind of comparison, right? The person who is walking in the Spirit and obeying God, and the person who is walking in the flesh, following the ways of the world. We are brought from death to life when we are saved. We have this salvation moment, and we are given a hope. We are given a future and also, the Holy Spirit takes up residence within us for the purpose of ministering to our spiritual needs. Writing about the salvation moment, this one commentator has this to say. The will of the saved person has been liberated from enslavement to sin, which it was experiencing before salvation. And the will is free now to choose the right and refuse the wrong. Before we can even begin to live a life of integrity, we must submit ourselves to the Holy Spirit's work in our life. If we want to choose the right and refuse the wrong, we can only recognize those parts of ourselves that are veering off the path once we have subjected ourselves to the Holy Spirit. Kenneth West, in his commentary on the book of Galatians, this passage that we just read, has this to say about walking in the Spirit. There must be a cooperation from the saint with the Holy Spirit in his work of sanctifying one's life. The Holy Spirit is not a perpetual motion machine which operates automatically in the life of the believer. He is a divine person waiting to be depended upon for his ministry and expecting the saint to cooperate with him in it. Thus, the choice lies with the believer as to whether it is going to yield to the Holy Spirit or obey the evil nature. Friends, are we ready to choose the right and refuse the wrong? Are we ready to subject ourselves to the Holy Spirit, to live a life of integrity? What if the outcome is us being poor? What if the outcome is you losing some friends that you've had for a long time? What if the outcome is losing your reputation? Better is the poor person who walks in his integrity than one who is crooked in speech and is a fool. You know, we might one day find ourselves in that scenario where making the choice of integrity leads to us becoming poor in some way. Maybe even being deceptive and dishonest and using crooked speech to achieve crooked ends would actually lead to us being wealthy. If you take a look at Proverbs 19, the rest of it, the life of a poor person is not painted to be something that anybody would want. The poor person's family in Proverbs 19 doesn't want anything to do with them. They have no friends. And yet, Proverbs 19.1 says it is still better to be poor with your integrity than to be a person who uses crooked words and is a fool. To be honest, it's hard to choose integrity. Even as I've been working on this sermon, I've thought about choosing integrity in my own life and the places where I fall short every single week. It's not easy. 
And that's why we have to understand that we can't do it on our own. I can't make the choice every day to choose integrity. I have to lean on the power of the Holy Spirit. I have to develop rhythms in my life that help me to lean on the power of the Holy Spirit and ultimately take some responsibility for when I choose wrong. Can we do that? Imagine what the world would look like if we all lived out the faith that we profess. Imagine what the world would look like. In the New Testament, Paul compares the life of a believer to running a race. Are we willing to get off of our proverbial porches and run that race? This week, I challenge everyone in this room, including myself, to live in such a way that people know what we believe in. I pray that we all strive to live and believe to the point of obedience. Will you pray with me this morning? Lord, thank you so much for this day that you have created and that you have given to us. Father, for the opportunity that we have to come into your house, to worship Father, to think about the ways in which we have maybe veered off the path of obedience and, and become more like the fool than we have a saint. Help us to depend on the Holy Spirit. Help us not to depend on our own strength, but help us to respond. Help us to choose the right, refuse the wrong, and believe to the point of obedience. It's in your son's name that we pray. Amen.